Well, good morning, friends. It's a real pleasure to be with you and to be able to open the scriptures with you today. My name is Paul. Uh, I have been a minister uh, throughout my life and uh, have had the privilege of fulfilling uh, various roles. In fact, uh, one of the highlights was in 2005, working with uh, Festival Victoria and the Billy Graham Association in uh, Franklin Graham coming to Melbourne. In fact, that's where I met Lee Minahan, who has uh, become a friend since that time and really enjoy fellowship uh, with him. Uh, I'm also today the chaplain of Mission Australia. We are a Christian social services organisation and we really want to see the gospel shared as we go about meeting human need. Uh, We're working with a lot of uh, marginalised people in our nation uh, who are at this moment uh, affected uh, quite significantly by the issues that our nation has been facing. And so as their needs increase, we're wanting to serve them and uh, to also see them be able to, to grow and to be able to stand on their own, own feet. Uh, I feel like the Apostle Paul. Uh, I long, it's been great to be with you, but I long to see you in person in some of his writings. And in fact, this is a record. Uh, Monty has set a record for me. This is the fourth time that I've been invited to speak at your church. And uh, so I am very grateful for another invitation. Uh, it could even be surprising that you've gone there for a fourth time with me over the years. Um, but at least you know what you're in for. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have a, a good morning together. Always celebrate missions. And uh, missions is close to my heart because my parents were missionaries in Papua New Guinea. They were tent makers. Uh, my father was a mechanic, my mother was a nurse, and during the week they would go about uh, ministering in practical ways, uh, and then on weekends they would uh, uh, plant churches and uh, uh, raise up local uh, people uh, and disciples. In fact, uh, I just recently heard a story of the generosity of people. And I want to congratulate you on your support and your partnership with missions. Um, Back in 1965, when my parents went to Papua New Guinea, and I reckon the ladies will understand this. Men, you've got no idea about this stuff, but ladies, you're going to understand this story that I'm going to uh, just share of God's faithfulness. uh, Because when my mum was going in, my dad, he was bravado and ready to go, but my mum had a few more practical needs. Uh, and we didn't have any pots to take with us. And she knew she had, uh, she had three kids at that time, three daughters, uh, and looking to feed them each night was always going to be a challenge. And, uh, and so she was praying for simply the provision of some pots that she could take with her. And uh, she only just recently shared this story. I only learnt it in the last year or so. Um, and... I forget the actual detail of whether somebody, uh, God put it on somebody's heart to actually buy the pots without them knowing or whether it was that they'd asked my mum if she had a need uh, that they could meet. But somebody in a church that they were visiting uh, had ordered uh, some pots for them to take with them to Papua New Guinea. Now, friends, we're talking 1965, uh, 55 years ago. And uh, do you know that the great powerful story of those pots and pans is my mum still cooks with them today. That was the quality of the gift that was given 
to my parents as they went out to the mission field, plus many others. I mean, there are dozens and dozens of stories of God's faithfulness uh, throughout their time of serving, uh, of the impact that they had on people's lives. And we know many missionaries went to Papua New Guinea, and we know that there is a strong Christian influence in that nation today. We still need to, to pray for that nation. But we know that when the gospel goes out, it doesn't return void. And as we've seen this morning already in the missionaries that you are supporting, they are going out and they're having an impact. And it is partly made possible, certainly by their willingness to say, yes, I will go. But also from our partnership as a church who is ascending and supporting and partnering church. So I say well done. Well done to you this morning. And uh, if God's speaking to you to respond, uh, be obedient to that response. And can I just put a little another advert in to say thank you on behalf of Samaritan's Purse. I'm, as a volunteer, I'm a board member with Samaritan's Purse, and we thank you for your partnership with us. Uh, we're very, very grateful. Uh, well, this week is also National Reconciliation Week, and the theme is In This Together. And we certainly want to see all of our uh, Aboriginal brothers and sisters uh, become all they can be and uh, see the gap closed. Also, it's Pentecost Sunday today, 10 days after Jesus ascended to heaven, 50 days after the resurrection where uh, God sent the Holy Spirit for us. And regardless of the personality and the preference of our church style, we are part of one church. Uh, we are in unity together. We have one Lord and one faith. And so it's a real privilege for me to be able to share with you this morning. If you've got your Bible at home or your iPad or, or your phone, however you read the scripture, uh, I still like the written word. Um, as my kids tell me, that's because I'm so old school. Uh, and so if you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to look at the parable today of the wedding banquet. Uh, I wonder what your funniest reflection on a wedding has been. Uh, when I was a local church minister, I did a number of weddings. And uh, in fact, one of the weddings I did, the bride was 75 minutes late. Can you believe uh, that the groom actually stayed? Um, so 75 minutes late. Uh, it, I have to say, it even tested my patience as a gracious minister. Um, There's another funny incident that uh, I was also the MC of the wedding that night and I mis mistook the wasabi for guacamole. And uh, I spent the rest of the night coughing and heaving as I was trying to MC uh, this wedding. Now, I haven't done anything as bad as some of my colleagues in ministry. Uh, I've got a great friend who uh, was a ministry, uh, is, a, is a minister out in the far east of Melbourne, at outer eastern suburbs, and uh, he was doing a wedding up in Healesville. And uh, he was... Went, he hadn't been to the venue before, so he, he went to the venue and uh, he was in there and so he was talking to people and he was surprised that he didn't see a few more familiar faces. But he'd spoken to the sound guy and he'd you know, spoken to a few people and started to set up uh, the plan for the wedding. It was about 30 minutes later that he realised he'd gone to the wrong venue. And this was not the wedding that he was officiating. In fact, it was a few streets away in Hillsville at a different venue. Uh, and so he quickly made his, uh, his escape and got to the right wedding. 
Uh, and of course, there was my other friend who was a minister, and he knew he had a wedding on a Saturday. Uh, he thought it was an afternoon wedding. And so he went for his usual morning swim. And uh, when he got home and he noticed that there were 25 missed calls on his phone, he realized that actually it was a morning wedding and he'd missed it. Uh, so others took over those responsibilities. So in Matthew 22, we see that uh, Jesus used parables to share truth in a way that people could understand. And this was an invitation to a wedding feast. And Jesus shared stories that were filled with kingdom principles to explain what the kingdom of God is like. They generally had a twist and the scripture today that we're going to look at has a a number of twists and I'm going to do my best to be faithful to scripture and to unpack the context and the cultural implications to reveal the spiritual truth for us today about the kingdom of God. Remember that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning used to explain and to illustrate principles. Now, the context is that Jesus has entered Jerusalem. This is a week before the crucifixion. Jesus has already overturned the temple and the the spiritual climate and the tensions are lifting with the religious leaders. This is the third parable that Jesus was sharing. He had shared in Matthew 21 about the parable of the, the two sons and the parable of the tenants. And I love verse 45 of uh, chapter 21 and if you just skip over there with me before we start reading it says when the chief priests and the pharisees heard jesus parables they knew he was talking about them it's an important thing to grasp as we go to matthew chapter 22 verse 1 jesus spoke to them again in parables saying the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and he said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and they went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army. He destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets and they gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the kingdom, uh, when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was there that was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he said, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. 
And may God bless the reading of his word to us today. Title of my message today is an invitation that requires your response. An invitation that requires your response. In this parable, obviously it's a parable that is talking about some spiritual principles. Uh, Remember, earthly stories with kingdom principles. The king is our loving God. The son, Jesus. Uh, Some of the overview, some of the rejection is by Israel, uh, the early prophets. But there are principles that apply to us today. In that time, as Jesus was sharing this parable, they knew that when there was a king uh, having his son married, when there was a wedding feast, that this is a countrywide celebration. This is the kind of invitation that you would tell your grandkids about. You would tell them that you got invited to that royal wedding. And it seems unheard of, and Jesus gets the attention of those that are listening to him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elite, because many of them would have been would have expected their invite to this particular wedding that Jesus was talking about. They knew that they would be some of those people that would get invited to such a special event. We know weddings in that context were large events, big events over many days. And this was uh, a time when there'd be two notices that would be sent out. There would be the first notice that that let people know that this event was going to take place and start to get ready for this. And then the second one, uh, when it was ready for you to now come and to, to join this event. And the first twist in this parable that Jesus gave them is that there were pe- people in this country that were not interested in coming to the royal wedding. This was an affront to the monarch. And there literally would have been some gasps in the crowd of those that were listening because this is unheard of, that you would skip the royal wedding. I mean, even today, surely, if we were invited to a royal wedding, you know, those those weddings that are at nice places, those venues that we drive past and think it would be nice to, to get into there one day. Well, of course, we're not going to miss those events, are we? We we jump at those opportunities. But they say no, they refuse to come. And then in verse 4, the monarch shows, the king shows that he is gracious, that he is a gracious king. He reissues that invite. The food is now ready. Uh, Come, come and join us and let's feast together and celebrate. But again, these excuses come in fact to the point and jesus talks about that the, the uh, people that were invited actually uh, uh, killed those servants that had come they had ignored the king's invitation and it was a sign of disrespect towards the king you know if we fast forward to today as i was thinking as we read this story um, we've had our messengers too that have faced hardship isolation loneliness even those uh, have have uh, sacrificed their own lives for the proclamation of the gospel of going to give those invites we've seen that in missionaries already so far that they've gone to give those invites uh, for on behalf of the king well back to the story the religious leaders 
They were actually looking for a Messiah. They were looking for their own brand of Messiah, not particularly looking for Jesus, uh, because Jesus had upset them. He'd overturned the temple. He wasn't meeting their expectations because they'd created a religious system that suited them, uh, that they were trying to continue, but yet Jesus had come and he was destroying their religious system that people had to go through the religious leaders to get to God. But Jesus was making a new way around what the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 8 to 10 brings another twist. That other invitation to go to the street corners, to go out to the highways and to the byways, uh, the the street corner was literally the main gathering areas around the cities. And I love uh, how Jesus tells this parable. He includes the good and the bad. Uh, now, we know that uh, we want the good people to come along, don't we? We want the good people at the wedding feast. But actually, Jesus says the good and the bad are invited to this feast. And isn't that good news for each of us? Regardless of how you see yourself, you might even see yourself in the good category. Many of us actually see ourselves in the bad category, the unworthy category, to be invited into this feast, to be invited in this wedding feast. And right throughout Jesus' ministry, he affirmed that the kingdom of God was for everybody, not just for the religious elite, not just for those that came from a particular family or from a particular culture or country. In fact, Jesus always extended the, king, the, the invitation to the kingdom to whosoever will. Everybody gets invited. That's the good news of the gospel, friends, that we are all invited and this gracious invitation comes to all of us. Have you ever been to uh, an event Ever been to one of these weddings and you kind of whisper to somebody near you and you say, hey, how did they get invited? You look over the room and you see somebody and you go, gee, I'm surprised that they're here. You know what? We're going to get to heaven one day, aren't we? And we're going to be surprised who's there because everyone is invited, the good and the bad. And that is the good news of the gospel for each of us because the truth is that we are all unworthy. This is a banquet where everybody gets in. So the banquet's begun. Well, and what a feast it would be, this parable that Jesus is telling us. And uh, it's an invitation that is open to all and in a missional context fast forward to today in a missional context all that we are doing in sharing the gospel whether that would be locally here in Montmorency in the city of Melbourne and in Australia to the uttermost parts of the world whatever that ministry would look like and there are a number of different uh, missionary partners that you have as a church it shows us the importance that this, this invitation remains today. And that's why it's so important for us to, to pray for the work of uh, our missionaries, those that are working locally, and also those that are working in other contexts, for us to support and partner together to see the kingdom of God continue to grow and to be extended, that we don't get caught up in our privileged Western lifestyle. Because believe me, we have it pretty good, don't we? Even in the midst of our current uh, challenges, um, we live in a privileged society. 
but yet God calls us and invites us to partner with him to keep extending this gracious invitation to the wedding feast. There's another twist, friends. Verse 11 to 13. The king is about to do his uh, royal walk around the festival and around the feast that is taking place. Jesus talks about this. Um, if you've ever been to one of these pomp and ceremonies, uh, you've seen the queen with her wave. You've got to practice that. Um, uh, I actually met the governor general on one occasion. And uh, I know... I know you think of me higher now because, in fact, I was so concerned about the process that you had to go through when you meet the Governor-General. I don't know whether you've met these dignitaries. You're, you're supposed to you know, bow. You're supposed to nod your head. You're supposed to shake. You know, you're supposed to go through these formalities. And, in fact, I got so nervous I was a bit overawed by the experience. But here Jesus says the king started to walk around to greet his guests, to welcome them. And there was somebody that was not in wedding clothes. Because you see, in that context and in that culture, when there was a wedding, you dressed up a little bit like we do today. We put our our best suit on. And in that time, there were robes. And if you didn't have wedding clothes, if you didn't have, regardless of whether you were good or bad, poor or rich, you were given a robe to wear into uh, that feast and into that wedding by the king. They would make sure that you could be appropriately attired. And so in this case, when the king walked around and he found somebody that was not appropriately dressed, it wasn't because they were poor. It wasn't because they didn't have it available to them. It was because that they were not uh, prepared to say yes to the invitation that they were accepting and go through the change and the transformation process. Now let me break it down a little bit further. Once somebody has come in and accepted this free gift, this invitation into what Jesus is talking about is the kingdom of God. It was a a deliberate choice to not follow through and take up that invitation. And as we accept that invitation... uh, ...when our life, if you're looking for a theological term, is regenerated... ...up to that point it's all free... It's a gospel of grace. There is nothing that you can do to earn it. But actually, once we enter into the kingdom, the principle that Jesus is sharing with us is that we then begin, we commit ourselves, we surrender ourselves, our attitude and our response to the banquet is that we would live our lives under his lordship and under his authority and begin, again a theological term, sanctification. That as we are invited into this banquet, we would then surrender our lives to God and we would live out the things that he's called us to and we would literally change those wedding clothes. That we would allow our lives to be transformed so we would live obediently under his lordship giving our lives to him. I think this is really described well in Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3 verse One, the Bible says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 12 goes on to say, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. We've got to be clear. We're loved by God. He says, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. 
bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances that you might have had against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Verse 14 says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds us together in perfect unity. See, friends, when Jesus was sharing this parable, he was clearly saying that there is an open invitation to all of us. That is why our missions activity is so important to us. Uh, We want to continue to extend that invitation to everybody. Once we've received and accepted that invitation, Jesus is also saying through that parable that there is a response from us, that as we surrender our lives to him, as we live under his lordship, as we commit our lives to him, and, and I'm about 30 years into this journey, and I'm continually needing to surrender my life to him. It's an attitude to say, God, I live my life under your lordship. I'm your servant. I want to live the way that you would want me to do. To allow the fruit of the Spirit to be active and alive in my life. To put it simply and break it down, what kind of a neighbour am I? What kind of a work colleague am I? That I would live out the love that God has given to me, undeserved, unconditional, into all that I would all of those that I would engage with. Because when we accept this invitation from the king, this invitation of grace, an invitation that we can't earn, he calls for us to have a response and to live our lives uh, in sacrifice and service to him. Passage of scripture finishes with um, a really interesting line in verse 14. That many are called and few are chosen. That word chosen is an invitation of opting in. That I choose. It's not to limit those that are coming into the kingdom, but it's an opting in. It's my response and it's it's how I choose. So as we try to draw our message to a close this morning, what can we take away? Well, there's a clear invitation that all are welcome. And in fact, it legitimizes all that we do in our evangelistic endeavors and our missional endeavors. It's part of our responsibility as the church, that this is a message for us that in taking the gospel, we are fulfilling the work that Jesus wanted us to do. The second thing is that the response is personal. It's a personal response for all of us, whether we are staying at home to be an active part of our church community or we are making that sacrifice to to devote our lives to ministry in a full-time capacity, whether that's here in our Western context of Melbourne or into other cultures and countries in the world, that our response is personal. We are saying yes to putting on those wedding clothes and saying, I'm going to live my life in the way that God intended. There's an interesting word in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20 where we're told to go into all of the world, uh, our world, where we live, or into other communities. That word go in the uh, interpretation literally means as you go, as you go about your business, as you go about your daily lives, take the gospel with you. Take the gospel to work with you. Take the gospel with you in peak hour traffic when it returns. In your dealings, 
in all that you do because we live in a society that over the last three or four months has seen significant change. Those that are marginalised have been affected the most. Uh, We know that there are some practical issues that are taking place that we're already seeing. We've been told that the suicide rate in Australia is going to lift potentially by 30%. The the reality is we are seeing this happen. In fact, at our life group, just on Friday night, our small group, which we're doing online via Zoom, uh, as you're watching today, um, one of our uh, men in the group spoke about two work colleagues that he works in a large group, uh, but two work colleagues that have um, taken their own lives in our own uh, organisation. We work with young people and we rehabilitate one at one of our services. Uh, we've had young people, three young people just this year, three teenagers, take their own life. Uh, so desperate, so afflicted, affected uh, and afflicted by their drug addiction. Uh, just the anxiety that's increased over time, uh, the isolation that's taken place. Uh, that they took their own lives. And these are real situations. And we pray for these situations. And that's why our role as God's ambassadors, sharing his unconditional love, uh, is so important. Um, checking in with people to ask whether they're doing okay. Asking secondary and follow-up questions so that we are not just superficial with people, but fully engaged in the journey of their lives uh, that God has for them. Saying yes to those invitations. uh, Saying yes to those opportunities that will take us out of our comfort zone. Uh, I may have shared with you before my mother, she's a dear lady, And uh, at the age of 72, about 15 years ago, uh, she was in a meeting just like this and she responded to an altar call that said, uh, if you want God to use you in some way, uh, come down to the front. And at 72, she laughed at herself and said, God, I'm kind of at the end of my usefulness, but uh, if you can use me in some way, uh, I'll go. And she received prayer and... uh, A few weeks later, somebody rang her to say they need a nurse. She was a nurse throughout her career. They need a nurse in South Africa at an AIDS hospice for three months. Would you uh, consider going? And uh, she said yes. I mean, she obviously couldn't do anything in Australia anymore with her nursing gifts and skills. Uh, But in South Africa, she was able to, uh, just on some very simple training, do anything uh, in this AIDS hospice except operate. And so she was a real blessing. She went four times for an extended period of time and was able to minister and literally physically save lives because people were not getting their dressings changed and that caused infections and, uh, and many people died because they simply did not get their bandages changed. And uh, not only did she minister them physically, but also spiritually in sharing the good news with them. So as we draw our message to a close, how have you responded to the invitation? Because it requires a response from each of us. Have you responded to the invitation to give your life to him? This is the spiritual truth of the earthly story that Jesus was telling to this group of people, that there is an open invitation to the good and the bad. Everybody is invited into the kingdom of God. It was shared then and the power of the gospel has never changed since.
that there is an invitation to each and every one of us. And in a minute, as I say a closing prayer, you might want to recommit your life to him or give your life to Jesus for the first time. There's also an invitation for those of us that have been around a while, those of us that have given our lives to Jesus and are living for him, that we would continue to surrender our lives to him, to live responding to the gospel each day, that we would take the good news of the gospel, whether that be into our own workplace or uh, whether that would be to partner with those that are going uh, sharing in evangelism, going as missionaries and partner with them to see the gospel continue to move forward. Why don't you join me in prayer this morning? Our loving God, we thank you for this parable. Thank you for the reminder today that these earthly parables that Jesus shared are filled with spiritual and heavenly principles for us to grasp. And I pray that each of us uh, would grasp those today, that you would continue to speak to us throughout the rest of this day of the importance of us responding to you. I pray for anybody this morning that has never responded to you, maybe right there in their home or wherever they may be watching today, I pray that they would respond to you to your love and say yes in their own heart to give their life to you. Thank you that you've given us an invitation to enter into your kingdom, to give our lives to you and have a relationship with you. We say thank you. For all of us today, I pray that we would continue to respond to that invitation and that we would, as we give our lives to you, daily surrender and look to see how we can say yes to you and partner with you. Thank you for the opportunities here in our church here at Monty. Thank you that they're so committed to partnering with those that are going, those that are sharing the good news of the gospel. I pray today that we would respond to say yes. We would continue to pray together that we would uh, pray for our missionaries, we would partner with our ministries uh, that are going, that we would give generously, that we would live our lives for the sake of the gospel. And there may be even people here today that you are calling to, that you are nudging and you're challenging to even go to the field, to join a ministry. I pray that we would obediently respond to the things that you are calling us to and that we would dress ourselves in a way that you would be pleasing to you and that would be honouring to you. So thank you for your word this morning. Uh, we pray it's a blessing and a challenge to each of us in Jesus' name. Amen.